Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for the best boat book, part two. I think you mean these weeks, Nick, because we're not doing this all in one week. We're doing this across a couple weeks, aren't we? Seems like you know plenty about this. (laughs) (laughs) To help me are two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. My name is Joe Holshue. I'm a high school English teacher. If you are looking for the best boat book, I brought a boat book with three men in a boat. It's called Mm. Three Men in a Boat, and it's written by a guy with two of the same names. His name is Jerome K. Jerome, Jerome, Jerome. which is really nice. Yeah, Really pretentious. Really feels like a different level of society when you can start naming the same thing twice you have to put the k in there otherwise it looks like a typo right right your entire life a vast nick a whole (laughs) job belay there litheads this week i'm captain ian de young and i'll be tolerating no mutinous conniving between the below deck swappers i'm a commodore of literature (laughs) and this week i brought david grant's brilliant new york times number one bestseller the wager May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely (laughs) enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ian, as you've alluded. Yeah. As you've alluded, we're doing, doing some different. Life different. look, life's gotten busy. Yeah, <laughs> right. And but we love making this show. Mm. But man, that life part is well. You know, it's funny lot. because it is summer. Uh, it is approaching summer rapidly for both Ian and I. And yeah. you might think, the planet. Like, it's summer. It's teachers. <laughs> they don't have anything to do. But suddenly in the summers, we. Our recording schedule tightens Shit goes right off. Up. Yeah, it's, yep. it pops. Yep. It pops. Anyway, uh, this is going to be a two-part episode. Uh, so the first the first week, one of us will present a book for the theme of boats. And then, Litheads. <laughs> and then, uh, a sp- as a special gift to you. you you're used <laughs> to immediate gratification, Litheads. And we think you're kind of getting complacent. <laughs> so oh, we're going to yeah. give you a cliffhanger. So at the um, end of this episode, you're, there's not going to be a winner. You're going to have to wait until next week to see who wins so uh i we've never done this format before don't worry you're still getting two boat books (laughs) (laughs) if you're concerned about how many boat books you're getting the number is still greater than one and less than three do you think the lit heads are liking all of our faces on our social media um, um, if it's any experience to podcasts where I've seen the people after a while, they are disappointed in us. Um, <laughs> they, they had an image. They had an image in their mind. We did not align with that image yeah. and they don't like it. Um, yeah. Our voices are sound, sound so kind of suave and right. Yeah. That, Real um, low. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you could just listen to this voice all day. Belay their heads. Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, as we call it, strongly podcast, where every week we pick a theme, or you do, and Ian and Joe, two high school English teachers, bring book recommendations, and just to upset one of them, we pick a winner. Gentlemen, some rules to keep you on track. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit at least words, Joe. Uh, got it. I will Joe. omit. I will omit them. 
Do you think needless needs to be in that rule or could it just it be omit words? It has to be. You can't Joe. just say omit words. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you it, omit it words, you confused. might omit important words like... <laughs> like verbs. What if I just omitted all verbs? Uh, call right, the ambulance problem. because I'm bleeding out of my... And then you don't say where you're bleeding out of. Maybe um, I could pick types of words for Joe to omit each episode. So that Joe, I'm going to need you to omit all verbs today. <laughs> <laughs> Did you finish uh, your rule rules? Rule number three... Uh, Oh, uh, no. Wait. Rule number yeah, three. Only when, it, only when it matters. Only when, yeah, it matters. only when it matters. And of course, we also have our shadow rules for the day. Um, these are the same every week, and you can probably recite them along with me, Litheads. Here we go. Swab the decks. Run the main chains up off the beam. Mind the jib. Those are the three shadow rules. Thank you, Ian. I gave them a little nautical flavor this week. I don't know if you could tell. What accent is the pirate accent? Okay, so actually, I have a... I have a, <laughs> nice. I have Actually, I know of, that. <laughs> I have a little piece of weird historical. So, people, um, people have done uh, accent reconstruction. Apparently, this is something you do with. Of accents. course, they've done accent historical accent reconstruction for the way people talked in Shakespeare's London, Shakespeare's England, um, based on English poetry and the the words that rhymed in English poetry. Oh, they said, okay, it. this rhymes with that, and that that means they must have been pronounced similarly. So in during Shakespeare's time, kind of around the between like 1500 and 1650, people had a, a an accent. Most people had an accent which would be pretty different from the way English people talk today. English people talk fancy and posh and a little bit like supervillains. Um, back in that time, people sounded like pirates. So the the folks who have studied um, there's a there's an there's an actor an actor named Ben Crystal who has done a bunch of uh, research on this. It's called Original Pronunciation. You can find uh-huh. it on YouTube, and it sounds a little piratey. It's not quite like pure pirate, but it's remarkable how the the line between Original Pronunciation and Ben Crystal and Captain Barbosa and uh, Pirates of the Your Caribbean. thirty seconds has started, Joe. Oh, What's okay. your book about? Nick, three men in a boat is about three men in a boat. They go on a boat Brilliant. trip. They never set out for high adventure. Instead, they're just like kind of these gentlemen looking for a gentle two weeks along along the River Thames. Um, it seems though that nothing is very easy for them, <laughs> from packing to setting up the tent to fishing to having uh, their boat towed by a line. These three like find camping. difficulty on every single page. It is camping, Nick. It's boat camping, which sounds cool, but turns out to be mildly inconvenient, I guess, like camping. Like camping. Like camping. It's filled with British humor. Um, it made Ooh. me laugh on every page, and it's a book I never saw coming. There's really only two kinds of British humor. Really, really exquisitely good. Mm-hmm. And then just and then just the worst. <laughs> really, yes. Uh-huh. Well, so basically just Monty Python and everybody else. Yeah. Um, Ian. See, what's your book about? In the 1740s, a small fleet of British warships set sail to plunder Spanish galleons in the Pacific. Oh. One of these warships crashed on the coast of Chile. The survivors ran short on food and on patience. Discipline fractured. Uh Tempers flared. Mutiny broke out. Pistols were fired. Timbers were shivered. All of this and more for Boat Week. In David Grand's <laughs> number one New York Times bestseller, The Wager, published in 2023. Like you wrote it for this show. <laughs> oh, God, guys. All I, that I'm more. Come out, but I need to write my book. <laughs> no, this is this book. This book is such a like pristine. You don't know lip book. It's got a little bit of secret learning. It's got um, it's nonfiction. Right, it's got novel right, 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 I, so. I, I do I, love the idea of of the British just being like, hey, 
the Spanish, they got a bunch of galleons. They're all in the Pacific. We're going to put together a fleet and we're going to go get them. And it's like, that feels really aggressive. They're like, yeah, yeah. We're going to go find those. Ian, it sounds like there's cannibals. Is there cannibalism in your book? Oh, Oh, man. I think we got to start with cannibalism. Oh, man. I think that's, I think, did, now this is our second boat episode, uh, boat-based episode. Did our first (laughs) boat-based episode have cannibalism? Anybody remember what those books were? Mm. I don't. Because, honestly, I don't remember recording it, so I'm glad that you. book called In the Heart of the Sea about Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a boat that, um, that kind of, kind of, um. What did Joe brought? I brought Joe a book, brought a boat called uh, "Boys in the Boat." Boys in yeah. the Boat about so, the British, <laughs> about the rowing team, the Washington rowing team. It sounds like you really just googled boat books on that one. I love it. <laughs> well, that is the beginning of every episode. I think it's hilarious though that choice. like we're on brand. I'm bringing like dire books about shipwrecked old wooden ships, and Joe mm, is like boats okay. in the modern world. So yeah. yeah, or like what if there was a boat book but uplifting and nice and yes. and light? Your uh, yes. your conflicting points of view are are helpful for the show. Uh, Absolutely, Ian. I'd love to start with cannibalism. Yeah, uh, just start with if cannibalism. It, not even like bleeds, starve. First I mean, then, you know, <laughs> you're the master of your domain here. However you want to, yes. but get yes. to it fast. So this book, uh, the, what what happens in this book? Uh, it, it's it's all true, but it's written kind of like a thriller. And so there are things I'm not going to spoil, um, but I can kind of give you the setup, which is um, there is a boat which is sailing across the uh, Atlantic Ocean and gets to the bottom of South America, which is very 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 stormy, and it crashes, and the people on board are shipwrecked. They're marooned, and they don't have a ton of food. And pretty quickly, it's it's a very, I don't know if either of you have been to Chile, but like it's you tall. get, far, you, you get pretty far country. south. Yeah, mm-hmm. tall and it's really cold and it's really penguins windy. there. People don't know that. Why? Well, there weren't any penguins. There weren't any penguins where these guys got shipwrecked or they would have eaten them. They were the they're eating. Aww, maybe they, <laughs> for the best. Um, they thingies. are so, so, so hungry and they right. don't have like there aren't a lot of animals for them to eat there aren't a lot of um fresh like vegetables because again it's it's very very cold it's a high latitude and so um how quickly in the book do we get to this point where they're crashed i'm i'm skipping a lot um okay it's, it, there's like five sections a lot and, of deck swabbing a lot of sail a lot of stuff goes wrong before they, they crash and i'm kind of skipping that there's a there's scurvy yeah. and there's skippers off um, key people people dying and stuff but like the the book really kind of pops off when when we when we crash and in this sort of meat grinder um in this pressure cooker of um of starvation things begin to break down and pretty quickly there emerge two sort of main kind of main characters main ringleaders um one is the captain and he wants to be in charge saw that coming Famous, wants to stay in charge. i mean classic captain behavior wait wait wait, wait, wait. Be sad I, joe who's the second is it the lowest in command or the second ooh, in command? you know who it is it's the charismatic crew member it's it's the guy wow. who's like the de facto leader good. of the crew like people yep. follow the captain Very but good. like really they listen to what john says they follow they they have to follow the boss but they want to follow the leader you got joe, it. did you did you Love do some it, opposition joe. research because it's his, his name, name is john 
His name is actually John. I mean, it's a wait, it's a wait, 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 wait. Did you know what was going to happen? No, I don't of think he not. did. I think How he did was you know his name tropes. was John because well, it's, because it's every charismatic leader is named John. What? That's that's what very good. This is the other. This is the other um, main character. The other the other um, kind of side uh, on this in this in this clash. His name is John Bulkley. Really he can't is believe the, that you guessed the, his name and everything. That was really good. I guessed the name John. The, it is the, the most John, common yeah. male adventurer name. Um, he is he is the gunner, so he's in charge of shooting the guns and teaching people how to shoot the guns. And he is very charismatic. He's principled. He's thoughtful. He listens oh, to people. He's I'd very pragmatic. He's a, he's a survivor. He's working class. And on the other side, the captain. He the captain's very different. Driven. Does he have boyish good looks? Discipline? No, he doesn't. There's not. There's not much. These are. There's, no, that many physical traits going on. Yeah, he's, he's got charisma in like other ways. He's got charisma yeah. in the way it counts. Yeah. Right. This is um, this is he's not kindness. this is uh, an adventure book, but it's it's still historical, and so we can't say like, oh, he's dashing, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't know. Um, who? What? The author, David Grant. He wrote Killers of the Flower Moon, which we which we um, that was the one about oil yeah. in Oklahoma and people getting murdered. Um, Native American. He's a, he's a so, big time writer, doesn't he? Write for like the New Yorker or something like that. He's, like a, he's he is a remarkable writer. Um, yeah. This is like his his third New York Times number one bestseller. He's Unreal. he is a force of nature. We'll talk more about him later. Okay, I want to finish off like this clash. Okay, because we got cheap the captain. The captain is cheap, and he is this. He's upper class. He's an idealist. He's focused on rank, and he's like these people will follow me because I'm the captain. And then you've got Bulkley, John Bulkley the gunner, and he's like. I'm trying to help people survive. I'm trying to listen. Um, Are they both admirable? In different ways. Yeah. Yeah. It and, sounds like and, it. Yeah. And they sure. kind of start off, they start off on the same side, but eventually they get to the point where they're opposed, where they have different ideas about like what, what's the best course of action because things get really, really, really bad. Um, there are two separate cannibalism points. One, when people are <laughs> totally really unrelated. I, well, but this is this this demonstrates how bad it gets, right? The the first piece of cannibalism is, oh, that that guy has died already. Let's go ahead and eat him. Oh, we have nothing. That's else. how it starts. The that other is how it later, starts. You gotta later eat they, fast, though. Later they draw lots and say no. maybe we should kill somebody. Holy buckets! Wow. So it gets it gets real. This book so gets your real. Book gets dark. Yeah. Yeah. So this is um, this book ends up being a, it's it's a clash of wills. That is the the fundamental movement of this book. Bulkley versus cheap, gunner versus captain, um lower class versus upper class, who's going to survive, who's going to be exonerated because if Bulkley overthrows the captain, he can be court-martialed for this. Yeah. He wants deal. to go back to England to see his family, but he can be court-martialed. Yeah, but he's thinking I I don't know if I'm getting anywhere off this island. Right. right. You got right. it. So so, so they're thinking about, I want to live, but they're also thinking about if oh, I live, man. if I live, how bad would it be if I lived and got back to England and they, they hung me there? <laughs> hey, where's that your crew, buddy? <laughs> that, that would Why suck. is your belly so large? <laughs> <laughs> guys, I want you to know, for how long? <laughs> if I was on an island with you guys, I would not eat you. You well, have my word. Well, what if, that's what, what Nick with a full belly says. Oh, yeah, but you wouldn't know. So that doesn't yeah. matter for the purpose of this, you know, okay. I, I think pretty kind gesture. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, I would not eat you either. And Thank you. Uh, Joe, do you have anything I to say to us? I would wait to see what the conditions on the island were. I don't <laughs> want to make any sweeping pronouncements right now. Um, 
I was thinking about why I love this book so much. It and loved. I think there are three elements of it that I love. Okay. Oh, just First like a thesis. All, three elements. It is. This is yes, three elements. Yeah. So this, the thesis is First this. First element. This book, this book is wonderful because it is novelistic. It's novelistic as a result of his careful research. And the whole thing is aiming at making a larger point. So let's, let's start. Let's start oh. with the novelistic part. Is this still the part one? This is part one. Yeah. This, so, this, yeah, this is part one. So to be clear, Ian, I don't know if, like, I think you said this, but I just want to establish it. This is a true story that he has researched and, yes. and novelized. Yeah. Um, he is, he's a really good writer and he knows how to keep things moving. I think a lot of times history can get bogged down in detail. Um, but this is, it's a, it's a thrilling story and he does a really good job telling it. This, this book is all the result of his careful research. He has done tons of reading. He's read kind of the big texts about this, this, uh, historical event and the little like scrappy unknown ones like digging around in libraries. Um, he's very careful with his sources. So I like, I believe him when he says this is all true. He, he also does a nice, a really nice job taking this material and cutting out the stuff that's boring, honestly, like cutting out. He, he does time jumps. He kind of builds this string of causation where X leads to Y leads to Z. Um, and he also gives us like switching points of view. So this is a story where various people have different perspectives and their perspectives are rather different accounts of, of what happens. And instead of trying to say, here is what objectively, like this is the one thing that happened. He says, we don't know. There were some castaways on an island. They have different accounts of, of what actually went down there. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you what they, what they said. These are one-sided stories, which he's putting in conversation with each other. And letting us hear from everyone means that there's no clear villain. He says, I must confess that I did not witness the ship strike the rocks or the crew tie up the captain. Nor did I see firsthand the acts of deceit and murder. I have, however, spent years combing through the archival debris, the washed out logbooks, the moldering correspondence, the half-truthful journals, the surviving records from the troubling court-martial. Most critically, I have studied the accounts published by those who were involved, who not only witnessed the events but also shaped them. I tried to gather all the facts to determine what really happened. Still, it's impossible to escape the participants' conflicting and at sometimes warring perspectives. So instead of smoothing out every difference or further shading the already shaded evidence, I've tried to present all sides, leaving it to you to re render the ultimate verdict, history's judgment. So it reads really, really smooth, but Bit he's also he saying... said, she said. It is, and he's saying... I could kind of wade in here and say, it's me, David Grant, and here's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't. Like, yeah. this is already so fraught. I'm going to let you do that. But it's novelized, so he must take some liberties, I would assume. He doesn't. That's, I mean... Well, I mean, there's got to be things like dialogue, for example. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Dialogue. Is, yeah, like dialogue. No, the, the di <laughs> there's actually not that much dialogue. When there's dialogue here, it is oh. drawn, like, it's clearly, like, it's a little bit stilted, and yeah. it's clearly drawn from people's recollections Wow. Yeah. Later recorded in print of what was said when the, the, the last point I want to make here is that is that he is doing all of this to make a bigger claim. So I think if we were just like, oh, cool, a boat story about cannibalism and murder, man, what a thing. Anyway, like that's fine, but he's interested more broadly in the act of writing the history, because this is a story where we have Bulkley, his account, we have cheap and his account. And they are directly at odds. Cheap says Bulkley was a criminal. Bulkley says Cheap was a criminal. 
And these two, like, they, they can't both be criminals, right? Or can they? Definitely, they both can be. Right. I think a lot of times in these sorts of things, people are like, well, there's no good guy. Some crazy stuff happened, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it, was, it was a bad situation. Um, the larger point I want to make, I'm, I'm wrapping up here. The larger point that Grant is trying to make is that history is written, written by the winners. This is not a particularly novel claim. Like we've heard this before, but here you have two people who survive. You kind of have sort of yeah. two, two winners, right? They both survived and they got, they got to kind of put their stories in conflict with each other. Do you know that right away in the book? Or is that like, yeah, okay. yeah he begins by saying this boat rolls up to this port and the people are saying, oh, my gosh, what a thing happened to us. And then a couple of years later, a separate boat rolls up to a separate port. And those people are like, guess what happened to us? The opposite story. Oh, and so he no, sets up man. this showdown from the jump. <laughs> Got to be first. huh? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And that's a big part of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really spin the story. Really yeah. damage control. And, the, and what he's about to tell you is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't expect the winner and i'm not going to tell you who the winner is seems like you really want to oh i desperately do but (laughs) grand grand kind of pulls this in the last section from being and yet another boat story about sad people eating each other to (laughs) classic trope to to being a story about history about authority about storytelling and the power of storytelling and the danger that kind of unethical storytelling can pose at the human cost of telling false stories, which I think in 2023 is, is particularly relevant as we're seeing sort of like in the world, we see the power of big, big lies, big, right. big narrative, narrative, the power of narrative, even if it's not particularly true. I, so I read killers of the, of the flower moon, um, uh, several months ago and it was good it was quite good this book is kind of making me a grand fan um i think i i think i want to seek out more of his work because it was so so like i could see the sort of master stylings of a really really effective historian i i loved it very compelling yeah yep Gentlemen, welcome to Tiffany's, a safe place for Ian to tell us all the bad, <laughs> terrible things about this book, finally. Um, <laughs> right. He's really been gloating about like the cannibalism and the mutiny yeah, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. and like the flintlock pistols, right? He's yeah. told us all the good things. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say my, my Tiffany's is, this is a very well-known story and there's a big part of the story which isn't really connected to um, to the, the whole mutiny cannibalism thing. Um, in which remember those galleons, the Spanish galleons mm-hmm. and the warships. Mm-hmm. One of the warships survived, went to the Pacific, and shot a Spanish galleon until it was captured. This is like a really cool naval battle. This is really like it's an awesome part of the story because you know naval this battles doesn't sound like a okay. No, but hear me out. It has right. really not that much at all to do with his story oh. of mutiny and murder and castaways, but he still puts it in here, and I'm like. It feels it's fun, but it feels very, very, very out of place. And it almost feels a little bit like he needed one more kind of cool thing to happen it's in the story. Texture. Right. He's th- he's thinking about the screen adaptation. I kind of. Yeah. And I, I get like, that movie. Hey, Scorsese doesn't make one of your movies without you thinking about, hmm, I wonder if I make another book 
if I should yep. think about oh, it. Absolutely. And I think, I think the countdown is on. I'm sure it's already been optioned. Um, but that oh, sure. after so much of this book being so well written, I was like, dude, I see what you're doing and I don't love it. So, right. It took me out of it. Okay. Tiffany's. Uh, well, let heads join us next week for the gripping conclusion of boat week episode two. Wow. Will, Ian's boat, wow, wow, wow. will Ian's book eat Joe's book? Will mm-hmm. Joe's book sink under the weight of will too Ian many people? Eat in it? Joe? Will maybe oh God. <laughs> Will <laughs> Joe finally <laughs> succumb to his cannibalistic <laughs> temptations? All right, Lidheads, we are excited to see you next week for the thrilling conclusion of Boat Week. In the meantime, if you want to support the show, you can like, rate, subscribe, do all those good things. You can head on over to you don't know litpodcast.com where you can suggest a book, suggest a theme, request a sticky, and of course, the number one thing you can do to show love is to tell a bookish friend. Lidheads beget more Lidheads, so go on and beget yourself a Lidhead. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that all made sense to me. Ian, do you still do you still want to read something? Um, I feel like I haven't won. And the quote is the vict it's a victory quote. Oh, oh god. Do you think we just want to end in some silence then? No, I'll I'll read a I'll read a cool quote to wrap up. This is um Gran describing in more detail his approach to storytelling and kind of the stakes of what's going on here. He says, we all impose some coherence, some meaning on the chaotic events of our existence. We rummage through the raw images of our memories, selecting, burnishing, erasing. We emerge as the heroes of our stories, allowing us to live with what we have done or haven't done. But these men, the men of the wager, believe their very lives depended on the stories they told. If they failed to provide a convincing tale, they could be secured to a ship's yardarm and hanged.